0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. To the Bible study today. What do you say we pray, whether worshiping online or here in the cameo? Let's bow for prayer and ask God to help us today. Holy Spirit, we say, Welcome today that you would heal our hurts and help us to move forward in faith and victory. So we, as we go before your word, whether we're spiritual investigators or longtime believers, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Well, Munchausen by proxy syndrome. It is a relatively rare behavioral disorder. It affects primary caretakers. Oftentimes, it's a mother uh, who is caring for a person, and this person typically will try and gain attention by seeking help from some exaggerated or made-up symptom of a child in their care. So I wanted to show you Tanya Reed, who has Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Years ago, she was convicted of abusing her own kids. She would suffocate them, call for help, revive them, and look like a hero and get the attention that she sought. Um, her, her daughter died. Her son lived through these traumatic experiences, and in court, it was revealed that Tanya had actually done this to another infant that she had been babysitting many years before she had her own kids. That story was actually mentioned on many different national news, I guess, programs, and you know, it's been on Forensic Files, has uh, been on Dateline, and others. We brought one of the shows that featured. Tanya Reed's story wanted to show you a brief clip from that show. Take a look.
1: And that is the case with Tanya Reed. She and her husband had three children. The oldest daughter on your left in this home video is now 12. The baby is Tanya's second daughter, Morgan. She was born two years before Matthew. What happened to your second daughter? She had the same problems as my son. as She quit breathing, but it wasn't related as far as time-wise and stuff. And she eventually died when she was almost to her ninth-month birthday. Tanya says Morgan died of sudden infant death syndrome. But hospital records from around the country show Morgan quit breathing 20 times. Just like her brother Matthew, Morgan was taken to emergency rooms and examined and tested by doctors who never found the cause of her breathing problems. When Tanya was living in Texas, doctors became suspicious. They were about to set up a surveillance camera to try to catch her smothering her daughter, but she suddenly removed Morgan from the hospital. Two weeks later, the baby was dead. It's really hard to believe that your children together would stop breathing over 40 separate times, and nobody ever saw it except you. If I was doing this, just if why didn't my older daughter have any problems why did I just develop this why didn't my nieces and nephews I took care of my sisters Why didn't they have problems why did just my two older two younger kids why just them if it was me doing it I babysat and I was high school growing up why didn't any of those children ever have serious problems why didn't anybody have but one of those children when you were growing up did have a problem I brought myself into that I realized that I can't take that out (laughs) as these headlines attest when Tanya was a 17 year old babysitter she was declared a hometown hero and received a lot of attention after she called paramedics when a child in her care had stopped breathing It was that episode when Tanya was a teenager that became the turning point in the case the state of Iowa brought against Tanya Reed.
0: So the infant that she had smothered when she was a teenager babysitting, his name, Scott Simmons. Scott lived through that experience, but he would suffer physically even to this day. So I want you just for a minute to put yourself in the shoes of Scott Simmons who suffers to this day because of a rare behavioral disorder of someone that babysat him as a child. How would you feel about her and how would you feel about life if that had happened to you? We're going to tell you the rest of Scott Simmons story later on in the service. But before we do, put yourself in his shoes for just a minute and think about how you might feel. And those of you that are new with us, we've been in the midst of a teaching series called God Moments. And we've defined God Moments are as those experiences of God's loving activity in our lives that change us. And uh, we don't believe that God's trying to do bad things to us, but I think what we all know is we do go through bad things. And will we choose to learn from those encounters? You know, in previous weeks, we've looked at how God moments are sometimes miraculous rescues. You know, God does a miracle sometimes, but there are other times where we experience pain and suffering. The thing about pain and suffering is that some people actually gain something that they deeply value from those experiences, don't they? Some people do, some people do not. I was interested in author and pastor John Ortberg's survey, and he surveyed a large group of people asking them what caused them to grow spiritually the most. And you know, the number one answer on the survey, pain and suffering. Pain and suffering causes people to grow spiritually the most. And last week in the service, we wrote down on these little cards what we're wrestling with. Sometimes it's something that we're suffering through. And you guys brought those cards down here. You put them in baskets here at the front. This past week, our staff prayed over every single one of your cards. And it could be that that experience that you're suffering through or what you're wrestling with, God can somehow use it and transform it to do something good in your life. And here's the way we read it in James chapter 1, verse 2. James says there, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, here's the way we say this in our Cultivate class here at the church. We say, you grow through what you go through. Would you say that with me out loud, whether you're worshiping online or hearing the cameo? Ready, here we go, out loud together. Grow through what you go through. That would be really good if you were the 8.30 service, but you've had more time for your coffee, so let's try that one more time. Ready, here we go. Grow through what you go through. We wanna grow through the stuff that we go through. And can I just mention this, is that that moment where you make the choice to grow through what you've gone through, that is a God moment. When you come to that epiphany or where you decide, hey, I understand that I can't uh, avoid suffering in this life, but I do know this, I can grow through what I go through. When you come to that decision, it is a God moment. And can I tell you that Cultivate, where we teach you how to unpack your hurts, wounds, past habits, and hangups and the like, that is, in my view, the most transformative class I've ever seen in any church that I've been, a part of. And registration for the next semester of Cultivate begins on December the 1st. I would highly suggest that some of you who have not gone through that before get registered on December the 1st. I think it begins mid-January, like around January the 16th is when the next semester begins of Cultivate. But I've heard this grow through what you go through, worded a lot of different ways. Like um, one has said you can profit from your problems, learn from your losses, harvest your hurts, be transformed by trouble. And you know who spoke every one of those things? Pastor and author Rick Warren. And he came up with this after he and his wife Kay went through one of the most excruciatingly painful experiences of their lives when their 20-something-year-old son died of suicide due to a mental health problem. And since that time, Rick and Kay have transformed their own troubles and help many, many people through uh, pain and emotional health-related issues. And all these things about growing through what you're going through are true, but why is it that some people don't ever grow through what they go through? Some people just go through stuff and never grow from it. Some people just get bitter. Have you met that person? They're bitter at God. They get bitter at church. They're bitter at their, like, like their their spouse or their ex-spouse, they're bitter at their parents, whoever, uh, anybody, their their boss, whoever, they're bitter at everyone. Why do some people not grow through what they go through? We're going to unpack that throughout the service today. But perhaps the most helpful. I guess, passage that's been helpful for me when I've been at the lowest point in my life some years ago was a Psalm of David. at Psalm chapter 40, verses one through three. And here's what he said. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. I didn't like that waited patiently part. I wanted the pain to be over right now. Anybody with me on that one right on? (laughs) It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. And then look what he did. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. But remember, before we go on in the passage, had to sit in the pit for a while. Sometimes you got to sit in the pit. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but it says, he set my feet on solid ground. He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God, many We'll see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Now, here's what I learned about that passage. Years ago, you know, I had it in my journal, you know, and I wrote about it and just really ministered to me when I was in a pit season of life. But then Jeannie and I took these trips to Israel, the Holy Land, and what I learned was is that David perhaps wrote many of these Psalms when he was at or near the Dead Sea In Israel, And I became really fascinated by the Dead Sea. I wanna take you there just for a minute to give you a feel for the Dead Sea. If you went there and you walked out from your hotel, you could see people sitting on the Dead Sea like a tourist floating, reading a newspaper. The water is so thick that you can sit on top of it. In fact, uh, at 1,378 feet below sea level, it's the lowest place on earth it's still on dry ground. Um, at a, over a 1,000 feet, I think it's like 1,083 feet, the Dead Sea is the deepest hypersaline lake in the entire world. It's 30% salinity. So just to give you some perspective of 30% salinity of this water, it's eight and a half times saltier than the water at the Texas coast where we go. You know, we're, we go to the red, red redneck Riviera here in the Texas coast, right? It's like, it's way thicker than our salt water, just normal uh, salty bodies of water. It represents the lowest place in life, the place of adversity. Now, I wanna show you two types of diversity as we think about adversity today. There's the adversity that's self-imposed where I screwed up and did some stuff wrong. And then there's the uncontrolled adversity. So let me walk you through this just for a minute. If you're uh, suffering from self-imposed adversity, maybe it's the addiction that you chose to participate in. Maybe it's the broken relationships due to our own dysfunctional behaviors and we've lost those relationships. Maybe it's guilt and shame from sins that we've committed. Poor financial habits lead us to the consequences of, you know, excessive credit card debt and spending, um, bad health due to eating, bad eating habits, you know, not exercising, all that, acting out on our lust, acting out on our greed. That brings a certain self-imposed adversity on our lives. But look at the other column there, This is the uncontrolled adversity, the death of a loved one. You wouldn't have chosen that for your life, or maybe the divorce that you didn't want that divorce, but it just happens. It was someone else's choice in your life, or the cancer. I mean, unless you're a chain smoker or whatever and get lung cancer, most of the time, you know, cancer is something that you don't choose to get, or, uh, you know, a family member or a loved one that gets it, and then there's the relative that did something that really hurts you, or if everybody around you knew what they did, it would embarrass you, and uh, um, that wasn't your choice. Your spouse betrayed you. You were abused. I mean, these are all things that happen to people that are outside of our control, and it brings about a certain level of adversity in our lives. But look, um, sometimes whether it's our own choices, you know, self-imposed adversity or out of control adversity, does it ever make you feel like damaged goods? Does me? Makes us feel uh, a bit twisted or damaged. And so if you're going to grow through any of these things that you go through, you have to practice what David calls patience. Remember, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. So a lot of people have asked, how long does it take? How long does it take to get recovered? (laughs) It takes a lifetime. I know that's not the the answer that that you wanted. Um, I know that some therapists will tell you a general time frame that it takes to feel somewhat normal again from certain issues. But I think our spiritual growth and recovery comes uh, in a lifetime of work. And here's the thing. I used to say things like, you know, you can't be in recovery your whole life. You have to just get over it. And you know, that kind of thinking leads to self-deception. If you look in the scriptures, you see where Paul says in Philippians 3, not that I have obtained it, but forgetting what lies behind and pressing on. See, he's moving towards the future. So if the apostle Paul hadn't obtained it yet, neither have I, neither have you. So what we realize is, is that we're all going to these deeper places in our hearts that God wants to heal, help, and purify Paul continued in recovery and we have to do the same. So I'm not willing to consider myself recovered, but here's what I do consider is that we're on a journey. Spiritual growth is a journey with arrival points along the way. You follow me? There are arrival points along the way on the journey, but the ultimate healing doesn't happen until heaven. So some of you in the room have been, recovered or you've been free from a certain thing for a month Anybody celebrating a month or more of any type of sobriety just raise your hands real quick anybody yeah awesome that's pretty good huh yeah that's pretty good a month or more let me go anybody a year or more anybody a year or more a bunch of us that yeah that's that's worth clapping for isn't it thank the lord for that and so those arrival points or milestones are actually god moments in our lives, but we all know that cursed is he who thinks he stands lest he fall. See, if we think we've recovered or that we've arrived, we can be self-deceived into relapsing into dysfunctional behaviors that we've been involved in in the past. And so the prodigal son, when he was in the pit, if you ever read that story, he was in a pig pen, which is a pretty low place for a Jewish guy. He had a God moment in the pit. He came to his senses and realized that things were better at his father's house. And so don't miss what God wants for you while you're sitting in that low point. When you're in the Dead Sea, in the mud, in the mire, sit in that pit. Now, let's go back to the Dead Sea just for a minute. It's attracted visitors from all over the Mediterranean for thousands of years. In fact, Herod the Great used to go there kind of like as a spa. And Jeannie and I have gone there a couple of times. And when you go, you always have to go out there And rub the mud on your face. And so Jeannie and I did that. We rubbed the mud on her face. And I'm not one of those guys that's into like putting product on my face or anything. It probably shows, right? But uh, but when I got in that muddy water, I put that mud on. And when you rinse it off, I mean, my skin just felt delightful. It was wonderful. It really, I was glowing, beaming, you know? And it's why you go to the mall to this day and you see people selling like tubes of mud from the Dead Sea because it feels so good on people's faces because of the mineral content in the water and in that mud. And the air is very low in allergens and reduced ultraviolet rays um, leads to higher uh, atmospheric pressure and helps people with respiratory issues. It also helps people with cystic fibrosis. It's healing to people's skin problems like psoriasis. And so while we were there one time, I was out on the beach, I was talking to this guy from Vienna, And his name was Wolfgang. And he explained to me that he travels from Vienna to the Dead Sea four times a year, and it keeps his psoriasis healed up on his skin. And I thought that was pretty cool. So what happens when you're in the pit in life, if you'll sit in the pit and not try and wiggle out of your pain too quickly, watch for what God wants to show you while you're there. Choose to grow through what you go through. It's like spiritual exfoliation of the mud as you sit there. I remember I saw this episode of Bear Grylls, Man versus Wild. Anybody Bear Grylls know about that guy? Okay, great show, it wasn't it? And this guy, he was going through the wilderness, you know, and he comes upon quicksand, right? And growing up watching cartoons cartoons i thought there was going to be quicksand everywhere on camping trips right but anyways bear doesn't go around the quicksand he jumps into the quicksand you know to show you what you can do if you ever fall into quicksand you know when you're hiking around you know somewhere at the camping site and what he said i'll never forget he said don't fight it because the more you struggle and fight it to get out of it the more it'll suck you down And it reminded me of what my therapist told me years ago when I was at a pit time of my life. She said, lean into the pain. You can't escape it, but lean in to the pain when you sit in the pit. Lean into it and experience it all. Don't just numb it all with something else. And this leads towards our healing. You know, Pastor Pete Hughes says that God is like a midwife who helps a mother through the pain of childbirth to birth something new. And when you're going through pain and suffering, God is there with you. He's like a midwife caring for you, encouraging you through so that something new and more beautiful can be birthed in and through your life. We all know that we don't get to choose whether or not we go through adversity, but we do choose whether or not we'll grow from it. Now, remember earlier, I was telling you the story of Tanya Reed and when she had babysat as a teenager, she had babysat this guy named Scott Simmons. Well, Scott happens to be a friend of mine. And Scott has suffered his entire life because of that incident years ago when he was smothered as a child, lost, you know, oxygen to his brain. And we were gonna have Scott was actually gonna come here today in person and share his story, but he got sick this past week. So he had to share his story by way of video and he was gracious enough to film that video this past week. Take a look at Scott Simmons, tell his own story. Hi,
2: my name is Scott Simmons and this is my story. When I was an infant, my family lived in the small town of Dumas, Texas in 1974. And for the first four months of my life i was a happy healthy baby and then well you know the rest of the story my parents decided that they wanted to go out for the evening and they hired a babysitter named tanya that came highly recommended and by the end of the evening i had quit breathing a policeman came and resuscitated me and saved my life and he and Tanya were my heroes. The incident left me with cerebral palsy. It's a disability that affects the whole right side of my body, especially my right hand. It's stiff and I can't move it the way someone can move their hand normally. I had to go through several years of physical and occupational therapy, which helped me out a lot but I still struggle with things like uh, carrying heavy trays of food and hot cups of soup, things like that, Uh, buttoning buttons. Uh, I also suffered with uh, seizures for the first six years of my life. That went away with medication, but the CP is gonna, gonna be around for my whole life. Now, when you're a kid, You don't realize that the struggles you have are unique to you. And I didn't realize that uh, my CP was anything different than anybody else. When my mom told me what what happened and what I I had and why I had it, um, I'll admit that I struggled with it for a little while. Um, Especially when other kids would make fun of me. I always considered Tanya a hero. And when we learned what she had done, it it was a shock. But I was a Christian by that time. And I can't explain it, but I had the peace of God. And I never really harbored any anger in my heart towards her. Uh, She had and has a mental disability, and I have a physical disability, and we each have our own struggles, so I never let anger toward her uh, affect me or affect my life. One thing I have learned from being a Christian and through Scripture and prayer is that God can use the struggles in my life for good uh, Romans 8 28 talks about it where they say that where God says that all things he made all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose and it really helped me when I learned that Paul struggled with something he called it a thorn in his side and his attitude towards it um, really sums up my attitude toward my disability. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong.
0: good and so if you met Scott Simmons you would find him to be one of the kindest most winsome people you've ever met why did he become so awesome because he made a choice you know earlier we talked about how some people never grow through what they go through Well, it's because they didn't make the two choices that Scott Simmons made. One of the choices he made was, I'm going to choose forgiveness over bitterness. Forgiveness over bitterness helps you go through and grow through what you go through. And then the second choice he made was he decided that he would find Christ to be his greatest treasure over any other treasure or desire in this world And to this day, he sings a new song. He told me, if it wasn't for what I went through, I may have pursued sports more and not the arts. And to this day, he sings at his church, one of our sister churches here in San Antonio. He's on the worship team and sings to the glory of God because God's given a new song. He said, I may not have met my wife and been involved in many of the things that I've enjoyed in this life, if not for my struggles from the past, see? And he's found Christ to be his greatest treasure. And look, the adversity of Jesus on the cross is the most valuable adversity of anybody's adversity in the world. He experienced all of and more than what any of us can even imagine in our own finite minds when he died for us and took our sins upon himself on the cross. Can you imagine what he went through That's why we treasure him. We treasure him as the greatest reward. He is our purpose, our security. He's our all, not money, not the ideal spouse or not prestige or success or not the acceptance of other people, not even like your dream job or a 401k or money in the bank. None of that. He is our greatest treasure and what adversity does it strips away everything else that we think we need the most and shows us what our souls really long for the most i like the way pastor and author tim keller said it you don't realize jesus is all you need until jesus is all you have right on so with that in mind how about we bow in prayer and as we bow before him, if you've never had love relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and you'd like to know him today, just talk to him in your own heart and mind and tell him, look, God, I choose today to believe. I trust that Jesus' adversity on the cross was of the ultimate value for me and that he died on the cross for my sin. Welcome into my life, Jesus. And those of us that have perhaps known him for a long time, in prayer now, we choose to re-up our forgiveness. We perhaps have forgiven in the past, but we need a little forgiveness maintenance. And we choose not to be angry, bitter, or unforgiving of that person who harmed us in the past. And Jesus, we also choose today that you would be our ultimate value. Maybe we lost something that we thought was our ultimate value. We lost the money or the spouse or the prestige or the job. But the one thing that matters the most cannot be taken away. And that is you, Jesus. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, principalities or powers or any other created thing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Jesus. And so you are the great reward and we treasure for you for that, Jesus. Thank you that you would not only accept us, but love us and have a preference for us. So we're grateful for all the good that you've done in our hearts and lives today. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. When you turn to someone next to you and tell them, grow through what you go through. Very good. Well, as we wrap up today, I'll just remind you of a couple of things and then we'll take off. Next week, we're going to continue in God moments and we're going to look at what to do when the miracle doesn't happen. And so make sure and come on back for that one. Also, uh, you know, we talk about our our financial stewardship and tithing and all that here at the church. And I, I don't Won't take a lot of time on that today, but we'll just show you the four ways that we take up our offerings here at the church. We're just so grateful for your generosity. So let's stand up together uh, before we take off and before you guys, you know, worship through your financial stewardship, receive these words of benediction over you. Dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here and reflect upon your pain and struggles of the past and the now, may you spend some time to sit in the pit and receive that spiritual exfoliation from the struggles that you've been through. And may you walk from here knowing that you can grow through what you go through. You guys have an amazing week. Know you're loved. And if you need prayer, our prayer leaders are going to be down front for you. You guys have a great Sunday. Bye now. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.